Would you open a Bible with me, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. It is easy to find in your Bibles. Very last book of the Bible. We will be in Revelation, chapter 1, throughout our time together this morning. Let me echo the thanks from earlier this morning. Thank you for the invitation to be with you. I have been looking forward to this week. I am looking forward to this week and everything. If the Lord wills that it holds for all of us, it is good to see so many familiar faces from years uh, in the past. And that is a a joy, of course, uh, that I have been looking forward to. But I I want to reiterate what I said in the Bible class period that what makes this week most special of all is, is what we've been singing about already together. And what I hope comes through loud and clear in our, our time from God's Word. What is most special about times like this is the faithful love that we get to reflect upon and the one that has shown us this faithful love. And so I am looking forward to spending time in God's Word with you. With you is a, a very great blessing, but most precious of all, is the opportunity that we have to come before his throne together. And what makes our assembly special is the object of our praise. What will make heaven heaven? Of course, it will be a blessing if the Lord wills by his grace to to be together for all of eternity. But what will make heaven heaven is the fact that God is there and being able to be with him for all of eternity. So thank you for this opportunity this week to hopefully grow in our appreciation of those great facts and our determination to be there by his grace for all of eternity. I also mentioned in the Bible class period, I'm always encouraged when there has been some forethought about how to make the most of opportunities like this. And so I was very encouraged in my conversation with Brian back in February about the the intention to, to make this about what it means to be disciples, our obligations to one another, our obligations to the Lord, the opportunity to shine as lights in this world to carry this good news that we're singing about today into a world that very desperately needs good news. And in talking with him, of course, it it sure did sound very familiar to circumstances that we have gone through in southern Indiana over the course of the last couple of years in reflecting on what we can learn and how to make the most of where we are and to apply God's word to what we are going through. In many ways for us, they're uh, just north of Louisville. 2020 was, I, I would put it in, in just one phrase as hang on. That, that's what uh, our, our consistent message, it seems like throughout 2020, was. It was a difficult year, and for us as disciples of Jesus in the context of of our church family, it sure does seem like a lot of 
our teaching and our preaching and our, our intentional connections and messages to, to one another was, well, we are in quite a storm. Hang on. Hang on to God. Anchor yourself to Christ. And with his help, we're, we're going to get through however long this storm lasts. If I were to look back, and, and I have described 2021 in the context of our church family after hang on in 2020. In 2021, it was we need to rise and build. There is a, a lot that was that has been blown away by this storm. There are a lot of rhythms and habits that have been disrupted. There are relationships that aren't as strong as they once were. And as we talked about in our Bible class period, perhaps that includes my relationship with the Lord. And so if 2020 was hang on, 2021 in many ways was... Let's rise and let's build. For us in 2022, our focal point for the year has been, I am his and he is mine. And when I was talking with Brian about this week and, and how to make the most of this week, it seemed like you all were very much on the same sort of a wavelength. There is a time, of course, to, to hang on. There is a time to, to rise and build. And then there is a time to get back on mission. To get back to the, the fundamentals. Uh, the fundamentals of individual lives of discipleship. Fundamentals in our home. Fundamentals within the, the life of a local Church and the fundamentals of we have been entrusted with good news. And there are so many around us who need good news. Uh, so many who have lost their moorings of what it means to be created in God's image. Uh, to live the life that we, we ended with in our Bible class period that... That God intends and has done everything necessary for our lives to be full of joy. That sort of thing is very foreign to real life people you will interact with this week. We've sung about it. We say to each other that we enjoy this joy and hope and love and contentment and peace. Here is the foundation of it all. Sometimes those foundations are shaken. And so I hope that over the course of the next few days, as we reflect, we've entitled this entire series, I Am His and He Is Mine, that you'll think with me about not only what that means, who he is, but who we are. And what it means to be his in the 21st century. That 
Of course, we gather together and we encourage one another and, and together we praise and we thank him, but we carry this with us into the world. We, we shine as lights and we, we share, we open our mouths and we share about this one who means so much to us. And one of the really basic things that I hope to maybe just affirm within you or reawaken within you or, 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 or perhaps teach for the very first time in a way that becomes personal to you. There is so much outrage in this world right now. And I'm guessing that you, like me, have seen children of God. Christians over the course of the last two years spend so much of their time and opportunity and influence and credibility and energy devoted to just expressing so much outrage. When if we had spent more time in outreach based on I am his and he is mine. Who knows the new disciples that might be in assemblies like this. We, we, we can't change the world around us, we realize. We, we can't change the hearts and the minds of people who, who don't want to have their hearts and their minds changed. But sometimes I, and I'm, I'm guessing you also, need to be brought back to, okay, the fundamentals of who am I and what matters most now in Christ. And that this is not just about me personally getting to heaven, but this is about reaching out with a, a renewed heart, the heart of my Father in heaven, the the love that Jesus has so perfectly modeled for me. We have work to do. I have work to do. You have work to do. And the fields around us are white for harvest. We'll talk, Lord willing, Monday through Friday in a variety of ways about that mission. But in a couple of different ways on this, the Lord's Day, I really hope to get you thinking about the, the his there. Who is it that we are talking about? In our Bible class period, we spent a good amount of time talking about developing a personal relationship with him. In this assembly of worship, I, I just really want to, in many ways, continue the theme of some of these good songs that we've sung. And think about him. What it means to be able to say that I'm, I'm with him. There's a, a certain amount of security and credibility and access that comes with being able to say in different situations, I'm with him or I'm with her. I had a, an experience like that not all that long ago. There are, as you can imagine, different sorts of Fans of basketball and 
football where I live than where you live now and where I, I used to live right here. There are people over there that don't care all that much about that oblong ball with points on the end. They care a whole lot more about the, the round ball that bounces indoors. And I have a, a friend there who is a, a huge Indiana basketball fan. And of course, he knows that I'm a, an Ohio State fan. And so a while back, he invited me to go with him up to Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Indiana, and to watch the, the Buckeyes play the Hoosiers in in basketball, and uh, I was with him the whole way. He drove, he, uh, I, I followed his lead. I'd never been to Assembly Hall before, and so we walked in, and, and usually, you know, if I'm the one who has acquired and paid for the tickets, we walk in and, and we go up. But uh, we walked in and, and we started going down, and I didn't know where I was going. I was just following his lead, and uh, before I knew it, we were down on on the base level, but we didn't even just stay right there. We we walked out on the court, and I didn't know why. I'd never been able to do that before. I just knew that I was with him, and so I was following his lead, and he acted like he knew what he was doing, and he was talking to various people who worked there, and, and before I knew it, we were just standing right there on center court. And it was still a, a ways before game time, but I had certainly never been center court on a, a college basketball game. And then the teams were starting to come out to warm up. And, and so we obviously got off the court, but we got right under the basket. In fact, we went to both sides and I, you know, there were various times that I was looking around just sure that some security guard was going to come and say, who in the world are you all? But they, they never did. And I, I, I wasn't about to create any amount of distance from my friend, Steve. I just knew that, well, as long as I'm with him, it must be okay. And, and we had a great time that evening. But it was a very different experience than I was used to. And the only thing that made it possible was me being able to say, I'm with him. You ever had that experience before where, you know, maybe you're able to go backstage at a concert or in the, the green room of a large conference or into the vault of a bank or the restricted area of a museum or up on the executive floor of a, a, a skyscraper or beyond the typical guided tour territory of maybe even something like the White House. And you know the only reason you're able to do that is because you're able to say, well, I'm with him. I'm with her. There's security and credibility and doors of access that are opened. We'll be in Revelation chapter 1 in just a moment. Let me remind you of a, a cold night a long time ago. In the Gospel of John, chapter 18, where we've got a great, a, a simple example of this. Jesus has 
been betrayed and arrested and he's been brought back into Jerusalem and, and he's being brought before various authorities. John tells us in John 18 and verse 15 that Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. And we, we understand from the larger context almost certainly this is John who is doing the writing that is the other disciple. And since that disciple, John, was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and and spoke to the servant girl and kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. Well, there's the idea. Doors, access that are opened simply because I'm able to say, I'm with him. Is your Bible open there to Revelation chapter 1? Let me, let me use that to impress upon you. This is the ultimate I'm with him for Christians. In Revelation chapter 1 and the ninth verse of the chapter, we read, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book. John is going to be given a vision And we are blessed with a book as a result of that vision and his willingness to write these things down. It is the last book of the Bible. Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned, John writes, to see the voice That was speaking to me. And I'd love just over the next few minutes. For you to do your absolute best to envision. We've already sung about it this morning. But to envision what he describes. I saw on turning seven golden lampstands. In verse 20, last verse of Revelation chapter 1, last few words, we were given a sense as to what these lampstands are. John says in, in this vision, these were the, the churches. You ever thought about this local church? In that way, we, we, we know what a, a lampstand is. It's not the light. It holds up the light, right? It goes back to what Jesus described in his most famous sermon in Matthew chapter 5. That you you don't light a candle and put it under a basket. You put it up on a stand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Seems like 
great and important context for everything we want to talk about this week as far as our identity as disciples and our our mission as disciples and our, our obligations and privileges as disciples that our mindset cannot simply be, well, let's all gather together in a huddle and, and hold on together. Or that they cannot be that, well, we're all going to gather together and we're, we're just going to build amongst ourselves and, and seek to maintain what we already have. And maybe there are a few things that got knocked over over the course of the last couple of years. And so we're going to rebuild those and, and get everything back to normal and, and maintain this status quo. Let, let's rise and build what we had before. Our mission, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, is to shine. And we don't gather together and and tend that light and keep it under the big basket of this church building. We shine as lights in the world. And it's not our responsibility as a church to make the light, determine the light, limit the light, Brighten the light. The light is. It's our responsibility to hold it up. It's your responsibility. The responsibility of this church. And please understand, every time we use that that word this week, we're not talking about this building. We're not talking about some lifeless organization somewhere floating around in theory. We're, We're talking about people. We're talking about You, the Lord's people who make up this local church. Together, you are holding up the light. John continues in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands and In the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. It was the most frequent way Jesus would describe himself throughout the Gospels. The son of man. Now, unashamedly, undoubtedly, he he proved that he was the Son of God. There were many times that the disciples would look amongst themselves in a a, a boat and and say, who in the world is in this boat with us? Who who is able to say these things, do these things, accomplish these things? And and we see that light coming on. We, We see it in the life of Peter in Matthew 16 where he unashamedly, boldly professes. You are the Lord's anointed one. You're the one that that our people have been waiting for. But even more than that, you are the son of God. That was true. But how precious that the most frequent way Jesus would describe himself is in relatable terms. I'm the son of man. Relatable terms, yes, but, but deeply significant terms, deep 
prophetic roots that go all the way back, for instance, to Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13, where Daniel now is a, a, an aged man, also has a vision. He, he gives the vision, and we have this book that we can go back and study him. And, and he describes how on one night, behold, with the clouds of heaven, I saw one like a son of man who came to the ancient of days. What a powerful phrase. The, the son of man was presented before him and, and to this one like a son of man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And, and John here in Revelation 1 uses the same sort of thing, same sort of phrase, same phrase. Son of man. Hundreds of years before, God's prophet had seen someone coming before the Lord God Almighty, being given a kingdom that would never pass away. Dominion over all peoples and languages and nations. And John walked with him for three years. And in so many different instances, he, he looked just like an ordinary son of man. But now, this is the one that John saw crucified. This is the one that asked John to take care of, of his own mother as he hung there on the cross. This is the one that John saw on multiple occasions, risen from the dead. This is the one that John watched ascend into heaven. This, this is the one about whom the, the angels that suddenly appeared told the apostles, Yes, he's going away, but we're here to tell you that, that he's going to come again in exactly the same manner that you saw him go up. And now John in this vision says, I saw him. And you need to understand John is communicating to us even today. He's not merely over the churches. Absolutely he is. God is high and far above us. But maybe you need to be reminded, even as I need to be reminded at times, He is not distant. He's not out there somewhere. He is in the middle of His churches. He's not far away in space and time. He moves among them, among the lampstands, trimming those wicks, carrying the wax, carving it out, breathing life into flickering things. You, you think of this local church as a lampstand. And I want you to think today about all of those various lampstands all over the world. It's the lampstand that I'm a part of in southern Indiana that was holding the light of truth up today. Lampstands all over this state, all over this region, all over this country, all over this world. And while the world is raging and full of outrage, 
God's people are different. We're to be different. Not because we're awesome, but because of the one who is among us. The one who's given us the light to hold up. John says he was clothed with a long robe, with a a, a golden sash around his chest. And nowhere else in the New Testament do we read that that sort of language. But we know from our Old Testaments, well, that's closely tied to the attire of a, a high priest, the ultimate mediator between a holy God and an imperfect people. But John very quickly says, this is unlike any high priest or any human being that I've ever seen before. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. And once again, we've got these deep Old Testament roots back in that that vision from Daniel 7. Verse 9, Daniel says, as I looked, there were thrones placed and the ancient of days took his seat. And he described the son of man a moment ago. Here he's describing the ancient of days. His clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. And John, he he wants us to understand, this is remarkable. This is the language used to describe the Lord God Almighty, God, our Father in heaven. And this one that I saw amidst the lampstands, he's, he's like the ancient of days with all of the wisdom of eternity, all of the steadfastness and maturity of age. But he is not weak. He is not weary. He is not faltering in his steps. No, verse 14, his eyes were like a flame of fire. You've never seen eyes like that. I've never seen eyes like that. You go on the other side of that wall, I can't see you. You leave here, you drive miles away, there's no way I can see you or you can see me. But not his eyes. His eyes with the sharpest clarity miss nothing. He sees you. He sees me this morning with eyes that are exploding with divine energy. His feet are like burnished bronze. They're able to tread in judgment any who stand in his way. There's not going to be anyone who holds up a hand to him and says, you've come far enough. You stop right there. No, his feet are like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. He's going to go wherever it is that he wants to go. And when he speaks, his voice is like the roar of many Waters. You think of the, the roar that an ocean makes as it slams up against the rocky shore or the, the rush of a thunderstorm or the incredible sound of something like 
Niagara Falls. That's his voice. The voice that one day you're going to hear. He's he's promised us in John chapter 5 that even if he delays and, and you or I are in the tomb. I want you to think about that. That when we bury a friend or a loved one, we we don't think in any sense of the, the word or the phrase that they're going to be hearing anything. They heard during their time on this earth, but they're done. This one in John 5 says the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear my voice and come out. That's how powerful his Voice is, and in his right hand he holds seven stars. Leaning on verse 20, once again, they are described as the, the angels of the churches. And whatever that means, does it not give us the idea that it's right there in his hand, under his protection, within his control, subject to his Will from his mouth comes a sharp, two-edged sword. What comes out of your mouth? Words come out of your mouth, and and the same could be said of him. It's it's what's emphasized for us in Hebrews four and verse twelve that his word is living and and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. His face was like the sun in full strength. Maybe that's a little hard for us to imagine on a day like today. But you you know what that looks like. Maybe you like me were foolish enough at a, a much younger age to play silly games like how long can one of us stare at the sun, right? You, you don't do that long. You don't do that many times before you figure out that's a, that's a really bad idea. You can't stand to look at it. It is so brilliant and so bright. He has keys. He has the keys. Verses 17 and 18. Of death and where those who have died are. He's in control. Not one is lost. Verse 19, he has a message. Revelation 1, verse 19, write therefore the things that you have seen. These are those that are and those that are to take place after this. Perhaps the easiest way to summarize that message for our purposes this morning, is up in Revelation chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7. He is Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. A witness's responsibility is to share what they know. 
And he's done that. That's at, that's at the heart of his message. But I want you to recognize with me this morning. He's not just a witness. He is the firstborn of the dead. More of the dead to come. Out of their graves. And in fact, all of the dead will come out of their graves at the sound of his mighty beckoning call. Because he is the ruler. He is the ruler of kings on earth. Once again, maybe you like me at times need to be reminded as kings and princes and presidents and dictators rage across the face of the earth. Just like the Bible tells us that at times they are going to Psalm 2 assures us that the one who reigns in heaven laughs. He reminds us throughout the prophets that all of the kings and all of the dictators and all of the presidents all put together with all of their might and all of their wisdom and all of their threats and all of their hopes are are just like a drop in the bucket. That's his phrase. Compared to the ruler. And so let's be informed about what's going on in the world around us. Let's most certainly do what we can to serve in in any way possible. But let's make sure this week that the ruler of kings on earth has more of our attention than the drops in the bucket. Whatever they may do this week. Because this king loves us. And I want you to notice the present tense. I am. Not I was. Or I will be. I am. Loves us. Present tense. And has freed us from our sins by his blood. I want you to notice the past tense. There are people in this room who have been freed by his blood. That can be true of you this morning. That can be true of anyone with whom you interact this week. Why would we not share this news? Why would we not invite others to hear this news, to reflect on this news with us this week? There will be someone, I I feel very confident, ask you at some point over the course of the next 24 hours. How you doing? What do you got going on this week? What you do over the weekend? What a great opportunity to say, well, I'm really excited because this week we're talking about Being children of God. Good news in a a bad news world. And and yesterday I got to gather together with brothers and sisters. and, and, And we got to praise this God who loves us. And I'm so excited about this weekend. I'd love for you to come with me. If if you're willing, I'd love to share with you why I'm so excited in a world that is just wearing so many people down because 
I'm a part of a kingdom. He has made us, Revelation 1 verse 6, a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. Let's remind ourselves on this first day of the week, before we are anything else, before we're citizens of these United States of America, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Before our allegiance is given to donkeys or elephants, we are citizens of the risen Lamb. And everything else flows through that. I belong to Him. I am a citizen of heaven. And so every opportunity I have, I give Him glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He's got a message. It's right there in Revelation chapter 1. One more point. We can't faithfully represent that message without behold. He is coming. And there's a lot that we don't know. Clearly. John, in a different context, 1 John 3 and verse 2 said, Beloved, we're God's children now, and, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know, not if, but, but when He appears, we shall be like Him. I want you to listen so carefully and eagerly to this last phrase this morning. We shall see Him as He is. You see, this is not just some old, dusty, outdated something that some extraordinary person a long time ago thinks that he saw in a vision. This is who he is. And the day is coming when you will see him as he is. In the meantime, what's this all about? What's he want? Well, we're going to talk about that all this week. But let's, let's park it right here. In the meantime, he wants you to join the chorus. That's what he wants. Revelation 5, verse 12, 13. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, is what this chorus in heaven is singing. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. John says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. Listen. The flowers that are springing up out of the ground. Awful cold right now. <laughs> but they are singing. The, the trees that are blooming right now, they are singing. The birds that are flying are singing. The grass that is beginning to turn green. Hills that are beginning to remember green again in a sense are, are, are singing. They know who their creator is. Romans 1 clearly teaches us. We're being invited to recognize who our creator is. And to submit to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Let 
So before we sing this invitation song, and it goes through the mind perhaps of someone that, well, he is awesome, and I am not, and he is holy, and I am not, and he is perfect, and people in this room don't even realize just how imperfect I am. And so this sounds awesome, but it I'm not sure that that could ever be good news for me because of what I have done. Let me take you back to that cold night in Jerusalem. When the only way that Simon Peter was even able to get into this courtyard was because he was able to say of John, well, I'm, I'm with him and, and he knows the high priest. While Simon Peter and others are huddled around a fire on that dark, cold night, the very one who had confessed in Matthew 16, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, had a a servant girl in this tense situation say, that man in there being mocked and slapped and on his way to execution, aren't you one of his followers too? And Peter flat out said, no. No, I'm not with him. And a few days later, After weeping bitterly at that betrayal and and denial, there was another fire, this time on the beach in Galilee. And the resurrected Jesus comes face to face with this sometimes foolish fisherman who for Three years had off and on stuck his foot in his mouth and at times said extraordinarily wonderful things. But those last words, I'm I'm not with him. Jesus looks him in the eye in John chapter 21 and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because Peter three different times had said, I'm not with him. I'm not with him. I'm not with him. Now for a third time, Jesus has asked, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know That I love you. But the sad reality was that Peter had sinned spectacularly. I'm not with him. And maybe that meant for the rest of his life, well, the door, the door was shut. You're not with me. I'm not with you. But Peter had not sinned so spectacularly. That he was a bigger sinner than Jesus was a savior.
And so Jesus says, it's time to get to work. I'm giving you a mission. People need hope and joy and peace, though they have sinned spectacularly. And so I don't know what sort of doors have been shut in your face in the past. I I don't know where you have tried to, to get access or to enjoy something where someone held their hand out and said, no, 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 no. You're, you're not welcome here. You don't have that sort of access. But I do know where so many in this world hold their hands up. Even this morning, Jesus is holding his hand out. Even to those of us who have sinned spectacularly and said, perhaps with our Mouths most certainly by our manner of living. I'm, I'm not with him. We want you to come face to face throughout this week with the fact that you can say and sing and share, I am his and he is mine. And so we're going to sing this invitation song, inviting you to come to him, to respond to him to confess your belief that he is the son of God to turn from sins to him to be baptized in his name for the forgiveness of your sins and if you know this morning that's what you need to do or you know that he sees and it's time to be reconciled to him we would encourage you to think seriously about that relationship. If we can be of help, would you let us know how we can help by coming to the front while we stand and sing together?